It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. It's time for your weekly trip around the bases with your hometown team. It's Inside Twins, where we dive into the minds of the guys in charge for insight, information, and analysis. Inside Twins is brought to you by Continental Diamonds, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Here's your host of Inside Twins, Corey Provis. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. The sun is out. Temperatures are warming here in downtown Minneapolis. Final game of this four-game series coming up. Twins and the Rangers. Twins at 52-56. and 56. The Rangers at 53-57. and 57. The pitching matchup for game four today will feature Jose Barrios, 9-5, and five, and Nick Martinez taking the spot of the now-traded U Darvish. He is 3-4 and four ERA over 5. He will throw today for Texas. I'm Corey Provis. We thank you for joining us here for our Sunday program. And you can reach us in two ways, by email, InsideTwins at TwinsBaseball.com, or on Twitter, hashtag InsideTwins. And our guest on our Sunday program, the general manager of the Minnesota Twins, Thad Levine, who joins us for now on the phone, but Thad shortly live in person, correct? That is accurate. En route and two minutes away. Construction sometimes, man, that's the thing. A lot of stuff in play with the Super Bowl coming up, so traffic can be a little havoc. But uh, we thank you for uh, for calling in for now. We'll see you here in person here momentarily. But uh, let's let's start with the Rangers, and they're here. You were on the trip back in late April. Is it odd to face them with all the years you had in Texas now and the role that you're in now with the Twins? You know, it's a lot of history. I've been there for 11 years, have a lot of very, very close friends, uh, both in uniform and out of uniform with the Texas Rangers. And by and large, most of the players on that team are players that I participated on bringing into that franchise. So as much as I wish them well and I, I want to see those guys develop and progress, I sure don't want to see them do it against us. So it's not tough rooting against them, but uh, when they're when they're away from Minneapolis, I, I, I do follow them and I want to watch their progress and see how they're doing throughout the course of the year. And I know it hasn't proven to be the year that they had planned for, uh, but they tried to make the most of it at the trading deadline. Can you share a good Adrian Beltre story? Uh, Adrian is an absolute spectacular person. I, you know, I think what you see on the field is authentic. Uh, he plays with youthful exuberance. I, I think it says 39 on the scoreboard, but uh you could you you could pass him off for a 19-year-old very easily. One year, uh, Adrian actually uh, broke his left thumb uh, and uh, ended up playing for the next, I think, month and a half with effectively a broken thumb that he had to have repaired in the offseason. So at third base, he caught almost every single ball on the outside of his glove, trapping it with his hand. And when he was swinging a bat, every time he swung and missed, uh, you'd see him walk around the plate at least once or twice just to regain feeling in his hand. But it just is a testament of how much of a lion's heart this guy has. You guys see the playful exuberance on the field, but he also is one of those guys who just played through every sort of injury and pain that you could possibly imagine. Uh, it was that type of uh, resiliency that I think he had that made him such a great leader uh, to this day. 
Did you see that translate to other players at that time, and even reflecting back, guys who maybe were de- were dealing with nicks and, and bumps and bruises, but heck, they saw Adrian play through a broken thumb. So you know, why can't I play with a bum ankle right now? I, I think it was I think it was Adrian Beltre. I think it was Michael Young for that team, and I think it was Colby Lewis on the pitching side. Uh, those three guys played through about everything, and you know they were blessed to be so talented that even at 70% of their ability, they were still better than any alternative that the Texas Rangers had at the time. I certainly think that that inspired players out there to play through a lot of injuries that they otherwise may have at least asked for a day off, if not a DL stint. One more thought on the Rangers before we take our first break. And what was your role, with, and we saw Cole Hamill's deal here last night, what was your role in bringing Cole to Texas and all that went into that acquisition a couple years back? I, I think that that may have been John Daniels at, at his best. Uh, the team was, and I forget the exact numbers, but we were well under 500 at the time. I think we were eight games out of first place. Uh, everyone was pegging us to be a seller, and there was one man and one man only, and that was John Daniels who stood up in the offices in Arlington, Texas, and said, I think we got a chance of winning the division, fellas. Let's start acting like it. Uh, we went out and got Cole Hamels, which was an extremely – complex deal involving Ruben Amaro as the GM at the time, a lot of minor league players from the Texas Rangers, most of whom have now graduated to the big leagues for the Philadelphia Phillies and are doing quite well. Uh, But we set the tone at that point when even maybe before our players believed, John Daniels started trumpeting, why not us? And, uh, you know, just happenstance, we started really climbing the ladder after that deal. Uh, Houston faltered a little bit. We were able to win the American League West against really all odds at that point. Ostensibly, the move was made for 2016 and beyond, uh, but we were quietly hopeful that it was going to impact the 2015 playoff race, and it did just that. Uh, we'll take our first break at Inside Twins. Thad Levine and Route to join us here at Target Field in person. A lot to get to. We'll focus on the Twins. Some front office changes here this week, so a lot to dissect, and just the mood of the club since uh, the team is back in town following the uh, last West Coast road trip. Twins and the Rangers coming up about one hour from now. Rio San Martinez for Game 4. Stick around more of our Sunday program next on your home for Twins baseball. Hey, this is Jason Castro. You're listening to the home for the Minnesota Twins. Go 96-3. Welcome back to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Twins and the Rangers in Game 4 coming up. On for now, a lovely day, a chance for rain later on, but hopefully the rain stays away. We can play this game uninterrupted. Corey Provis, and now in person, as promised, the GM Thad Levine. Nice work, man. That was that was that's a fancy transact uh, transition. The traffic and hustled in during the commercial break. No, but uh, thanks again for joining us uh, on the show. But uh, I do want to kind of shift gears and now and get back to the Twins. And it was it was a wild week while the team was on the road. They come back home, and now. You know, you probably have some some disappointed players about some of the moves that were made leading up to the deadline and, in fact, at the deadline. Now that you you see the guys in person, what has the dialogue been like from you, from Derek, with some of the guys in the clubhouse down the way from here? You know, I think first and foremost you want to connect with the the coaching staff. So constant dialogue with Paul Molitor through the course of the trade deadline. But you really haven't had a chance to necessarily catch up with with James Rouse and Neil Allen and and the rest of the group. So you want to connect with them, make sure they understand kind of the rationale behind the decisions that were made, understand a little bit about the personnel that we acquired that may not be here now, but maybe down the road will be coming up and helping us out. And then you want to connect with kind of the senior leadership of the team. So 
I think, uh, you know, by all accounts, it sounds like we had a little bit of a players-only meeting uh, after the trade deadline where some guys kind of stood up and had a conversation, in which, and this was after the Jaime Garcia deal, and I think, ironically, Brandon Kensler was one of the guys who was the most vocal during that meeting. So I think I think we have some senior senior leadership on this team that managed that messaging uh, pr- probably extremely professionally for us. We then want to check in with those guys. We want to check in with you know the Irvin Santanas and Brian Dozier's and and Matt Belisles and Chris Jimenez's and just kind of get a finger on the pulse of like how are guys doing. And I had a chance to sit down with Taylor Rogers yesterday and ask him how he feels the composition and chemistry is in the bullpen now that Brandon has been you know traded to the Washington Nationals. So. You do care. You want to have that kind of dialogue. It, it's a really challenging time for Derek, myself, Rob, Anthony, because it's truly not a popularity contest. And I think if you get caught up trying to please every single constituent, you know, the players, the major league staff, you know, first and foremost, the fans, uh, ownership, sponsors, and whatnot, like there's no way to please everybody simultaneously. I think if you try to do that, you're probably going to fall short across the board. We tried to do what we felt was best for the franchise, both in the acquisition of Jaime Garcia, which was much more of a near-term decision, and then ultimately with the trading of Brandon Kinsler and Jaime Garcia, which was more of a medium and long-term view. We we hope they were all good baseball deals, definitely different viewpoints in those deals, uh, but we weren't necessarily trying to please everybody. We were trying to do what we felt was best for the franchise, and that's something that Derek, myself, and Rob will be committed to throughout our tenure here. And when you say best interests of the franchise, you have to look not just to 2017. You're looking down the road. But the players down the way from here, they're thinking about only 2017. So does that is that a difficult dynamic because you just can't look, hey, for two months, you're thinking about two, three, four years down the road. Absolutely, and I think we never want them to lose sight of that. I, I think Paul has to straddle that line a little bit, you know, because he's managing to try to win every night here, uh, but he also is cognizant of what the, the horizon holds for the team. But, no, absolutely, you want the players to be singularly focused on the task at hand, which is, in this case today, beating the Texas Rangers. The, the, the I guess the success that the Twins had the first three you know, months, three and a half months of the season, hovering near 500, but certainly, you know, up there for the uh, division lead at times, leading the division if not uh, a game or so back. Did that play havoc at times with your plans and your vision of what this team could be, just solely here in 2017? I we welcome that havoc. Yeah. You know, anytime the team's a little bit further advanced than you expected, that that's a blessing as far as I'm concerned. So. You know, I think the, the, it was the confluence of us playing better uh, and, and keeping, you know, hot on the heels of the teams in the American League Central and also a little bit of the, the Cleveland Indians and, to a lesser extent, the, the Kansas City Royals just hadn't found their groove at all. I think the one thing that Derek and I kept talking to each other about is we hope that we see Cleveland and or Kansas City play their best baseball before the deadline rather than after the deadline. Now, they both did just that. They, they ended up both winning every single game in the week in which we faltered a little bit from the time we acquired Jaime Garcia to the time we traded Jaime Garcia. I think that's just what we were looking for because what we didn't want to see is us continue to hang in there. Those teams kind of play middling baseball and then go off August and September and then we realized that maybe we missed an opportunity to do some things that could have impacted this team in the near term. Uh, we'll take a break. Much more with Thad Levine next. Inside Twins continues live from Target Field on your home for Twins baseball. You are listening to the Modern Alternative Channel and your home for Twins baseball. Go 96-3. Welcome back. Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Probus back alongside Twins GM. 
Thad Levine. Some news, Thad, the last couple days in uh, the Star Tribune had this story in the Pioneer Press, others as well. But the Twins have made some changes now with the front office uh, from Jack Goyne and now some reports that some scouts were let go. Can you comment on that? And then I want to follow up with a different question, but just a general comment about the timing of some of these decisions here now in August. Yeah, so th- this this is the really uncomfortable part of the transition and the change uh, is the, the the impact on human lives. And, and I think Derek and, and I don't take this lightly. And quite frankly, this is why we've been so methodical in this decision making. And, you know, I think we subscribe to a theory of if you normally want to measure twice and cut once, I think we're trying to measure four or five times. We've incorporated, you know, the, the senior counsel of Vern Falwell and Mike Radcliffe and Rob Anthony and Brad Style and and Darren Johnson and Sean Johnson into every single decision we've made because clearly they have uh, significantly more experience with the personnel uh, than Derek and I do just having joined the franchise in November. But to, to address the timing, uh, you know, no time is perfect, obviously. The interesting nature of the baseball life cycle and, and yearly calendar is a lot transpires once the season comes to an end in terms of hirings. And so we were such as it is in the backdrop of making decisions that negatively impact people, we were trying to do it as early as we could such that they would be open and eligible for every single job that's open this offseason with other clubs rather than just the ones that are open by the time we made the decision. <clears throat> so we were we were a little bit more sensitive to doing these things earlier than later in the process. Uh, we wanted to get through the draft for the amateur guys, and certainly for people who were impacting the pro scouting department, we wanted to get through the trade deadline. So much of what uh, scouts do, you know, the the general public and and even myself, we're not privy to. We don't really see the homework and what they do. Why does a scout get hired and why does a scout get let go? It just can't be as simple as, well, this guy I signed, he didn't pan out. Are you keeping score about, well, this guy signed five guys and none of them panned out, therefore... We should let him go because he's not a good scout? You know, it, it's, uh, it may sound crazy to say that that, that that aspect of it almost has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so many things that go into a player's success that the scout has no impact on. You know, there, there are oftentimes you have a scout who is scouts for five consecutive years. We don't draft a single one of his players. That's not an indictment of the scout. It just may be how the draft played out that year. He may have been on the right guys. It's just we didn't have the opportunity to select some of those guys. Or if we selected them, maybe they didn't sign with us. They went on to college uh, to continue their careers and ultimately entered a future draft. So when you're evaluating amateur scouts in particular, I think professional scouts similarly, is you're really looking at two things. One is their ability to evaluate talent and how does it you know, generally match up with how those players got selected in the draft and or ultimately performed once they were selected. And then two is just what types of relationships they have. You know, the, this, the game of scouting now has evolved to a point where these guys glean so much information from relationships with uh, area high school and college and junior college coaches, trainers, staff members, what is their presentation like when they're sitting down with kids? Because even though the kid doesn't really uh, control who selects them, you know, there is a recruiting process that goes on and there's a information gathering process that goes along. And that's a, it's essential that the scout has the ability to have, you know, extremely good relationships with family members and kids such as there's a desire for them to become Minnesota twins in the future. So it's relationship building, it's information gathering and it's talent evaluation. Is there also a part of it, too, that with with the metrics in today's game, that some scouts may be sold, well, this guy's a 300 hitter, therefore he's he's going to be an all-star, where you know maybe he hits 285, but his OPS is 
in the low 700s that maybe won't correlate as he, as this young man develops in his professional career. Is there a give and take, a pull between the numbers that scouts lived on then but don't necessarily buy into now? I, I think you're, what you're addressing is like a bigger need and, and focus for our whole staff across every department and as a desire to learn. You know, we, we're hopeful that we have as many employees here who kind of have that growth mindset and, and want to learn, want to evolve, and want to put another tool in their tool belt as they're trying to do their job day in and day out. So, yes, we're, we're hopeful that we don't have too many guys who are kind of stuck in this is the way it's always been kind of traditional mentality. Uh, we want people to have institutional knowledge but not to be institutionalized, if that makes sense. So there's a big distinction there in our mind. So we want somebody who wants to continue to grow, and whether it's in the form of you know, evaluating new analytics and new metrics, or maybe it's just something that a, a personal growth endeavor, you know, maybe it's, it's learning Spanish and being able to connect with players on a different level uh, for some of our coaching staff. Those things are very important to us, and we hope everybody across every department has that type of mindset. Final thought on this before we take our last break uh, on the show here. Do you plan on filling these roles with just one individual per vacancy or perhaps a whole different outlook to how you now view scouting. When Derek and I got these opportunities, we made a presentation to Jim Polad, uh, really reflective of trying to, in our minds, take the best of how the Texas Rangers addressed personnel, how the Cleveland Indians did, and how the Minnesota Twins did. We were hopeful that that amalgamation would represent the best of the American League. Incumbent in that was actually to add meaningful headcount in certain areas. So I think in some areas you're going to see us fill it one for one, and others you'll see multiples because Jim Pollard has been very supportive in us kind of expanding our staff, both both from a system standpoint as well as a personnel standpoint. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap up Inside Twins next, and you're home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back. Last two minutes of Inside Twins brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. Corey Probe is back with Twins GM Thad Levine. No Miguel Sano again today. More concern about that hand? You know, I, I think the the issue with Miguel in part is obviously he got hit by the fastball from Anthony Barnett the other night. Uh, hit him hit him right in the hand, but he's it's been he's been hitting that hand multiple times yeah. now. Got hit on the road trip, uh, missed a few games because of it. I think he slightly different area, but it's the same region. So I think there's a little bit of a cumulative effect for him. We did have X-rays; they came back negative, or I guess in this case I should say positive, which is to say there was not a break. Um, but I think there's some, you know, there's some localized swelling and soreness for sure. You know, when you watch these games at home, you always marvel at how did this guy just get hit by a 94 mile an hour fastball and just walk to first base? Well, sometimes they don't just walk to first base, and they need a couple of days to gather themselves. We're hopeful that's all this is with Miguel, but uh, we're going to be cautious with him. He's obviously a very important part of this team moving forward. At this time, any plans on any additional X-rays if if that soreness lingers the next day or two? You, you know. Dave Prumer's been really on top of Miguel, and they've been doing a lot of soft tissue work with him. So I think he is progressing. I think if we feel that he's stalling out, uh, certainly we will do more tests. Uh, we, you know, we have a great medical staff at our disposal, and so we're, we will bring that to bear to try to make sure we're diagnosing this the right way. Uh, I think if a couple days pass and he's not able to play, we certainly will do more tests. Have about 40 seconds left. Uh, this week, plans for Hector Santiago and also Glenn Perkins. Yeah, we're going to have both those guys go out and pitch. Uh, Santiago just threw, I think, up to 90 pitches the other day, so that's very encouraging. Really the first time he's thrown more than 75 pitches since May 31st, so we'd like to give him another start. And Glenn's been progressing nicely. We're going to get him out there seeing uh, upper-level hitters and hopefully, yeah, hopefully see him up here pretty soon. All right, Thad, thanks for the time. Thank you. All right, we appreciate Thad Levine for joining us here on our Sunday program. Program coming up, Chris 
has the pregame show, and then we'll have Game 4, Twins and the Rangers, to wrap up this series. It'll be Jose Barrios for the Twins and Nick Martinez, right-hander, throwing. For Texas, we thank you for joining us this afternoon. Much more to come. Twins and the Rangers, we've got a full day of baseball right around the corner, right here on your home for Minnesota Twins baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Continental Diamond, home of the best diamonds outside of Target Field. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.